Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sports Virus Podcast, everybody. I'm Joe Castellano. Well, today's guest is a reporter for the Warriors on NBC Sports Bay Area. It's Kareth Burke, who has been in this position now for the last five seasons. We had a chance to chat on Tuesday about Game 1 of the series between the Warriors and the Grizzlies, looking ahead to Game 2 on Tuesday night. We also talked about Kareth's career in our conversation. And by the way, we are now brought to you by Kane's Tire in San Rafael, California, where they have had the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Well, Kareth, thanks so much for joining me here on the Sports Virus Podcast. Uh, how are you doing? I mean, this has been a great season, and uh, certainly the playoffs have been really exciting so far. Oh, yeah. It's the best time of year. It comes with a lot of work, but a lot of payoff. It's been so much fun. Yeah, and this series looks like it's going to be spectacular. I mean, if you go by what happened in Game 1 right down to the wire, uh, how important was this win? I mean, you take one on the road. The Warriors have to be feeling pretty good about that, although they you know, they didn't play great against Memphis during the regular season. Yeah, I think you know they keep talking about the blueprint to win a series and ultimately a championship is to split the games on the road, understanding how difficult it is to win in a hostile environment and then come home and take care of business in your home court. So the fact that they got one on the road in Memphis, game one, that's impressive. Probably the biggest topic of conversation about game one isn't so much about the game itself. It's more about Draymond Green and what happened with the flagrant two and what that means as far as you know the ramifications of that. First of all, the foul itself, when I saw it, I didn't think it was a flagrant two. It, it looked to me like he was actually trying to break the fall uh, as he was holding on to the jersey there. What were your thoughts about the foul itself and then the, you know, the basically situation here? Because Green now has uh, two points against him, and if he gets another one of those, he'd have to serve a suspension. Yeah, just like you, I wasn't sure if it would rise to the occasion of a flagrant two, and a whole lot of people at my workplace watched it in slow motion, just to, just <laughs> to make sure. It, you know, we kind of saw what you saw. Draymond clearly got Clark around the neck. He had him by the jersey. Okay, can't do that. Um, and the video that we saw, maybe it was clipped, because I didn't see him hit Clark in the face. If he did, it was accidental, but that doesn't matter. That's at least a flagrant one. Draymond was clearly at fault, but as far as it being, it's what, unnecessary and excessive? Right. The excessive part, the excessive part, that's what I didn't see personally. Um, it, it looked like Draymond tried to prevent Clark from falling as hard as he would have, actually. He kind of had the sense to sort of cradle him while he had his jersey in his fist. You know, Draymond didn't want Clark to hit the ground too hard. And then I also noticed that you know, the, the game sort of polices itself. If we're talking about something that's a flagrant two, players get angry. They say, get away from my guy. You know, there's usually words between the teams. None of that happened in, in the moment. I don't know if the Grizzlies players thought it rose to that occasion either. doesn't matter. It's what the referees see. And, you know, Draymond talked about this a little bit. He felt like it was a reputation call for a flagrant two. Um, I'm inclined to agree with that a little bit. Even though Draymond was clearly in the wrong, I don't know if that play was something that he deserved to be ejected for. So, yeah, Joe, you're right. He's got two points now. If you get four points in a series or, or, or throughout the course of the playoffs, you know, you are suspended for a game. And this is where the Warriors have to trust Draymond 
that he knows how to walk the line. It's the same line that he walks when he plays fiery in the regular season, knowing how many technicals he has, knowing he doesn't want to get fined and get the, you know, the, the 16th technical, that would mean he has the suspension. So it's just Draymond playing the way he does because he can't dial anything back or, you know, that, that, that shrinks his power. And they need a full power Draymond. So they have to trust him. You know, it's interesting because I remember I was covering the series against Portland several years back. And I don't know if you remember this or if you were there that day, but Draymond told the media that he was going to change, that he was not going to argue as much with officials. And, you know, it just never really happened. I mean, he just that's just the way he is, right? I mean, that's his fiery personality, and he could try to change. But like you said, he's, he's really got to uh, walk this fine line now. Sure. I mean, I think he knows it can get him in trouble. And depending on the day, depending on the referees, depending on how much Draymond is pushing, depending on which magic words he's using, you know, there's, there's, there's a tightrope you have to walk for all of us. And there is some responsibility for Draymond to know that rope, uh, that tightrope, and then, you know, for the referees to kind of have a consistency in how things are officiated. People were pretty surprised that uh, GP2 would get the start in game one, but uh, as you pointed out, I saw one of your tweets, you were pointing out that when the Warriors got their only win during the regular season against Memphis, he started in that game. I kind of forgot about that, uh, but he brings a lot to mm-hmm. the table as far as his defense, hustling. Uh, do you think that it'll continue that he will be starting, especially with the job that he could do on John Morant? I don't know, to be honest, and that's some of the fun of this series. You know, if the Warriors are going to play small and start small, would Jordan Poole go back into the lineup sometimes? Would it, would it continue with GP2 because he's so good on jaw? Um, and I, I don't know how to answer that question. I think it's great that the Warriors have those options. And it's sort of like, Joe, no matter who starts, I mean, maybe you look at Jordan Poole, for example. He played 38 minutes off the bench. So whether he's a starter or not, 38 minutes indicate this guy has a massive role. Um, so if it's GP2 who starts, just to see if they can put some clamps on jaw early. If it's Poole who goes back into the starting lineup, regardless, this is an all-hands-on-deck focus, right? You have to, This team requires, the Memphis Grizzlies require so much on defense. I, I, I feel like they look a lot like the Warriors. Do you kind of have that similar feel? Yeah. They have shooting. They can attack the rim. They're young. They're exciting. It's almost like, rewinding five or six years and looking at, you know, the, the version of the Warriors who were growing up. So defensively, this is the series that excites me the most when I look at all the other ones going on, just because the teams are so similar. And yeah. we had a heartbreak, uh, a heart-pounding finish that resulted in a one-point win. Is that what this whole series is going to be like? Because I don't know if my heart can take it. (laughs) No, I know. I mean, I thought the Warriors did a great job of getting after loose balls. I mean, that sounds like a simple thing. But, I mean, Andrew Wiggins was playing in a different way than I thought that he did during the regular season. And, you know, GP2 as well. Those guys were going after the loose balls. And uh, that's one of the reasons the Warriors out-rebounded Memphis. I mean, they were getting out out after those balls and getting the spots. And, I mean, that's going to be a big key in the series, don't you think? I do, and I know rebounding isn't really a sexy thing to talk about, but the fact the Grizzlies are number one in rebounds and number one in offensive boards, that was during the regular season, and you could tell the Warriors had it drilled into them. Part of the game one game plan and for the whole series is see if they can contend with the Grizzlies on the glass. 
The fact that Steven Adams isn't playing right now because he's in the COVID protocols helps out. And I know we didn't play very much in, in the Grizzlies series against the Timberwolves, but should this series dictate that there are occasions when they need size on the floor, um, you know, the big Kiwi is somebody to contend with on those O boards. So maybe that's one of those small margins, one of those small little things that can help the Warriors. But also going back to what you said about Wiggins, he had eight rebounds in the last game. His rebounding in the playoffs has increased, and they need that from him, especially when they're playing small. Any, any hoovering of these rebounds that they can get goes a long way for the Warriors. They just needed him to make some more free throws, that's all. <laughs> um, <you> know, it, <laughs> There's that. Yeah. Uh, interesting storyline that I didn't know about until I, I was reading a story about Jordan Poole and Jaron Jackson, who was on fire for Memphis in game one, mm-hmm. that they played in high school together in Indiana. I mean, that, that must have been one heck of a high school team with Poole and Jackson on it. Well, you know what? I hadn't read that story. Yeah, they I mean were, that's pretty cool. High school teammates or yeah. AAU teammates? It, it was okay. it was a I guess it was a prep school and it was a, their senior year and they played together and I mean I just thought that was pretty cool because here are two guys that are really coming into their own and it, it kind of is that series of of young stars. Yeah, I mean you have Curry and Clay and Draymond and all that uh, with the Warriors, but there are these young stars we already talked about, Ja, mm-hmm. uh, that are sort of taking over that we're going to get to enjoy throughout the series. Mm-hmm. And I might be butchering this, but I think I saw something on the screen during the Game 1 broadcast that when you look at Ja and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jordan Poole, there are three players who had 30 or more points. I think they're all 22 or younger. It was something like yeah, that. Yeah, and it, it was, was the first like time a, it happened. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes, look at this youth movement on the floor. We're, we're getting treated to some incredible basketball that's going to be there for years and years and years. That's special. Absolutely. You know, leave it to the Warriors, too, to have a story come out about Jacob Rubin. And people are going, well, who's Jacob Rubin? <laughs> but he, he's, he works on the video end, and he basically showed the Warriors what the play was going to be at the end of the game for Memphis. And mm-hmm. Clay was able to defend it better. So, I mean, that, that's so cool that the Warriors have everybody on their staff, every single person involved in a victory. Yeah, Ruben knows his stuff, too, and I remember him starting as a a video coordinator. So there's a guy who has worked his way up. He's now behind the bench, and I think this is also credit to Steve Kerr and his coaching staff, that if you have something that can help you win the game, no matter who you are, you can point it out, and if it makes sense, if it's going to help the team win, they will use it. So you're encouraged to speak up. You're encouraged to have, you know, all of these, all of these eyes and ears just in service of helping the game. I, that's, that's really special. I hope Ruben, I want him to walk around with a, a ribbon on his chest or something today. And of course they're not going to let him do that. I think they're going to make fun of him, but Ruben now has grounds to say, Hey, 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 hey I, I played my role in that game. Give me some high fives. <laughs> when I think about the Warriors this year, Kareth, I, I think they're at their best when they're moving the ball because Steve Kerr is always stressing that and they're not forcing threes and then when they have a lot of turnovers that's when they're at their worst so I mean it just it it seems to me and tell me if you agree with that assessment but those seem to be you know pretty big keys going forward for them yeah the way that the Warriors defeat themselves is with fouling and with turnovers and you want to play at a very quick pace I don't think either of these teams mind if the game turns into a track meet but foul after foul turns into free throw after free throw, and it slows things down. And then you're playing against the set defense. And 
Um, turnovers. The the Grizzlies will make you pay with turnovers. I think they're best in the league at that forcing turnovers. And then you see Ja race out and get a dunk and, you know, ignite his home crowd. So it's those swings and momentum that the Warriors don't want to give the Grizzlies. It's so much different in the playoffs when you have these days off in between. I mean, it seems like you get momentum in a series, but then all of a sudden, you know, in between games two and three, they're going to be three days off. Uh, that just seems like a lot. I mean, I don't know if that's an advantage for the Warriors because they have more of those veteran players. I think it would be more of an advantage. Um, I think you're dealing with some some older bodies, shall we say. Um, but no, I mean, um, seriously, we saw Clay come back from two long-term injuries, 941 days out. Um, Draymond had the back injury that took him out. Um, gosh, was that eight or nine weeks, maybe even longer. And then the usual bumps and bruises, the things that don't show up on the on the injury report, but the things that give you the ice packs or the, the heating pads during a game. So after an 82-game schedule, yeah, and now you're in playoffs, the time when it matters the most, to have a little bit of rest, especially when your core players are over 30, I think advantage Warriors there. We'll have more with Kareth Burke, and we'll talk about her career when the Sports Virus Podcast continues in just a moment. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Kane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Kane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Kane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Kane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give him a call at 415-453-2942. That's 415-453-2942 for Kane's Tire. All right, let's switch gears and talk about you a little bit. Uh, so tell us about how things have gone over the, I think it's five seasons now, since you joined NBC yeah. Sports Bay Area. And, you know, things have changed, you know, with COVID and everything, and then you end up in the studio. So tell us about how you have evolved as the Warriors reporter. Oh, man. Okay, <laughs> every year was distinctly different, Joe. So my rookie season was when they won a second championship. It was number two of the back-to-back Right. And then my second year, my second year was when they lost in the finals to the Raptors. It was KD's last year. It was the game where Clay tore his ACL. Yeah. The third season was the awful one where they went 15 <laughs> and 50. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the fourth one, I mean, that season was mercifully cut off by COVID. Um, the fourth season was where we were all reporting from a distance because of COVID. The arena wasn't really open. And then here we are in season five, where things are finally feeling a little bit back to normal. But business-wise, things changed at my network. So the first three years, I was a sideline reporter traveling with the team. um, And circumstances have changed. There's not really that sideline role anymore. So now I do a show called Dubs Talk Live with one of my all-time favorite coworkers, Grant Lithman. It's the it's 30-minute post, post-game show. Warrior stuff is so popular that people just want all the content they can get. <laughs> right. And it's fun to do this post-post-game show. Um, you can also see me reporting, as usual, in the pregame show and the regular post-game show. So it's just about evolution, I think. Every, everything I've been asked to do has felt distinctly different each season. But all of it, just I feel so lucky that I get to call this a job and talk about this team. I hope my kids ask me, about covering Steph and Clay and Draymond and Steve Kerr 
it's hard to recognize, you know, what this trio of players is in this moment in NBA history, because I think it goes down as one of the best trios of all time. That's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And you're doing a great job. And, and I would think that there was a little bit of a learning process, too, because when you're on the sideline, I mean, those are little snippets as opposed to being in the studio where now you can really kind of spread your wings. And, uh, and you know, it's just more of a long format, long form format, if you will, uh, that you're doing right now. Yeah, sideline is very much in the moment and reading emotions. And it's almost like absorbing a player's emotion as he walks over to you. I, I'm talking to, the, to these guys 30 seconds after they hit a game winner, you know, like I, and then some of the players say things that, you know, if I'm talking to Clay Thompson, I have no idea what he's going to say. I think I know how the interview is going to go, but sometimes <laughs> I've got to follow him wherever his answers go. Um, and now doing this post post game show, I have a chance to digest a lot more of, of what I saw. I can spend a little bit more time with the stats. I can um, review some of the video clips and just have a better sense of the game after taking a deep breath. So that's that's been helpful for me, and I, I hope we, you know, kind of digest things for the viewers and, and join them in some of the top storylines um, on that post game show. A little bit on your background. I mean, I know you worked at SNY back east. You were covering UConn women's hoops, and then you came out here. I mean, that had to be a pretty big adjustment. Mm-hmm. I know in between there were, uh, you know, some moments there from what I've heard that, uh, you know, you, you weren't sure whether or not you were going to stay in the journalism field. Yes. Wow. Um, going back and reviewing all that stuff, when you said UConn women's basketball, I can remember driving from New York City to Stores, Connecticut, about an hour and a half, sorry, two and a half hours, that is, winter <laughs> driving. Oh. But how much I enjoyed covering four championship seasons in four years. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it's, it's basketball. I'm covering high-level basketball. UConn is the number one team in the country. That's great. But the college season is 35 to 40 games. Yeah. And then coming here where the Warriors had this immense, global spotlight to be honest like they were a global phenomenon and now it's 82 games and then it's the playoffs so to some degree I was naive about what this job was and that naivete sort of helped me it kind of kept my world small and all I had to think was it's just basketball it's just basketball and it is so all of the spotlight around me I did my best to ignore in those first seasons and it was a learning curve it wasn't just introducing myself to these players and building relationships so they know what I'm about. It's also, how do I travel? Okay, I'm on the team plane, and we go to this hotel, and okay, what's the schedule? Uh, what's the Wi-Fi in this arena? Where's the bathroom in this arena? <laughs> like, all of the things that you just don't know as a first-timer in new situations every day. So my rookie season was a lot but each year it felt better and better and more comfortable. And I started wrapping my arms around this job. And I hope, you know, in year five now, I think I got it. I think <laughs> I got it. But, you know, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm learning every day and enjoying this every day. Well, sometimes the hardest part isn't doing the job. It's actually getting the job. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about that, because I know, you know, going from the East Coast to the West and, and trying to figure out what you're going to do there in between, mm-hmm. uh, that's always a challenge, right? It is, yeah. As far as chapters in my career, 
covering four championships in four years with UConn honestly felt like it could have been the pinnacle. How lucky is it to cover even one championship in your career? Yeah. And then Gino, yeah, Gino Oriema is the UConn coach. My relationship with him helped me cover Team USA basketball in 2016 in Rio. And that was a, a gold medal team. And after that, I was thinking, wow, this is the pinnacle of my career. If I never work in sports again, I'm so lucky. And I did arrive at a point where I wondered, will I work in sports? Um, I shifted my priorities. Um, The man that I met in New York City is now my husband, and he moved to San Francisco, so I followed him. And I didn't have a job lined up. I mean, I I did the... I met with people at Pac-12. I met with people at Comcast. It was it was Comcast Bay Area at the time. And I got good feedback. They're like, we like you, but we don't have anything open yet. So I didn't work in sports for about a year. And I really had to start making my, my plan B. You know, I was going through my savings. I was trying to figure out what do I do now. And I got to dabble in sports a little bit with, uh, with Pac-12. But ultimately what had to happen was Roz had to move on to something else. And she did. She got a national job with TNT. Roz is amazing. But that opened up something for me where I could audition and, you know, and talk to people and say, I have all this basketball experience. Will you give me a look? And they did. But I truly thought I was going to have to do my plan B, which was PR, you know, something. And then the best job ever opened up for me. I got so lucky. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you didn't have to do plan B. And before we finish, I, I was curious how you even got interested in sports broadcasting. I mean, were you a little kid and you were saying, yeah, I want to do oh, yeah. that or, or, you know, how, how did this all transpire? Fourth grade. <laughs> fourth, fourth grade. grade wow. My, my teacher, Mrs. Bryant, uh, invited a camera crew to the classroom We were doing a unit on democracy and we were placing our votes. We had our fake ballots. And I was such a teacher's pet, Joe, that when the reporter asked to talk to a student, Mrs. Bryant, you know, kind of nudged her head in my direction. And I gave what I thought was the interview of a lifetime. And I got to go home and tell my parents, I'm going to be on TV. And at 10 years old in fourth grade, that's what I thought the job was. And then I started to discover, okay, there's an obligation here. There's a duty here to the truth. You have to inform people. Thankfully, in sports, there's also an element of entertainment. But as I grew up and understood what the industry was, I really fell in love with it. So fourth grade. Thank you, Mrs. Bryant. Yeah, I hope Mrs. Bryant listens to this podcast for (laughs) sure. She deserves a lot of credit. (laughs) Well, Kara, thanks so much for the time. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the series and hopefully uh, beyond with the Warriors. As I said, you're doing a fantastic job on it and uh, hope to run into you at some point here during the playoffs uh, and later on. That would be great. Joe, thanks for a good time. That's Kareth Burke, reporter from NBC Sports Bay Area. Join us again next week for another edition of the Sports Virus Podcast. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.